Why don't we see the gift of tongues manifested more often through the gift of the Holy Spirit, whether in baptism or in confirmation? There are some Christians who still receive this gift from the Holy Spirit, but it's not widely present as it was in the early church when they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and immediately went out speaking in many different languages. So why don't we get that cool gift anymore? Does that mean that the Holy Spirit isn't as active as he once was? Well, the question we should ask ourselves is, why was that gift given in the first place? Why did the apostles receive the gift of tongues to speak in other languages? It's to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave them before his ascension. Go out baptizing all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They needed to be able to speak in the languages of all of those lists of people that we heard in the first reading today so that they could share with them the good news. If they couldn't speak their language, if they couldn't communicate the gospel, then what good is the gospel? The gospel has to be shared and communicated for it to have value to others. And so in this time and in this place, the gift of tongues was necessary. Now in our day and age, there are Christians in every corner of the globe. There are Christians who speak every language on earth. And so the need for the gift of tongues isn't the same as it once was. So what gifts of the Holy Spirit do we need today? St. Paul tells us today that there is one spirit, but there are a variety of gifts from that same spirit. So what gifts are needed in the church today for the sake of sharing the gospel, for the sake of communicating the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's seven of them. So should I test you back from your confirmation what the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are? I'm going to test myself right now, see if I can remember them off the top of my head. There's wisdom and understanding and knowledge and right judgment, fear of the Lord, piety, and courage. There, I didn't get them all last night, but I got them this morning. For me, my opinion is that there are three of those seven that are very much needed in the church today. Piety, wisdom, and courage. The first one, piety. Piety is more or less proper devotion to what is sacred. It's our right devotion to what is most sacred in our life. And the reason that I think that this gift is important is because I ask myself, what do we hold as sacred today? In our community, in our society, what is held as sacred? If a stranger came to where we live, could they immediately point out to what we deem as sacred even here in cameras? I think it's really hard to identify in our culture today something that we view as sacred. We've stripped the sacredness from many things. Even in our places of worship, people who are unfamiliar with the places of worship will walk into here for a funeral with their ball cap on and a coffee in their head because there's this loss of the sense of the sacred. And we're not immune to it as people who live 
in this society and culture. And so you've heard me rant about this one before, but I'll do it again. The sacredness of time, right? The church gives us the directive of the sacredness of the Sabbath, of our Sunday, and the sacredness of that time. If we don't hold any time as sacred, then what happens? What happens is that we let everything and anything else take it from us and control and dictate our life without having that sacred time that allows us to be with God and be with family. How do we hold time as sacred as Christians? We have to fight for it, right? Or how do we hold places as sacred? How do we allow ourselves to be reminded that there are some places that should be held as sacred? We build our churches the way that we do because it helps remind us in their very architecture that this place is different, that this place is sacred. But in the way that we approach coming to this place of worship, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, does that help us keep this place as our place of piety? Where we put our right devotion to what is most sacred to us in our life as Catholics in the celebration of the Eucharist. Right? In the way that I speak, in the way that I pray, how is this place sacred? Or we can even go to something smaller, in your own home. A home is a supposed to be a sacred space, a sacred place. But when you look at your own home, what is the focal point of your house? What is the place or the room in your house that draws the most attention? Because today, when I go into many houses, the focal point is the TV room. The TV room is the most prominent room in the house. Before the TV showed up, what was the most prominent room in the house? The kitchen. The place where you broke bread and you spent time with each other. What does that say that we've changed that space? And here as a celibate, for all those of you that are married, here's my suggestion to you. Don't put a TV in your bedroom. Married couples, your bedroom is a sacred space. And that time that you are in bed before you go to sleep is a sacred time for the two of you. If the TV then becomes a part of that sacred time, you're pulling away from that sacredness of that time spent together. We need to hold things properly sacred because it keeps our minds and our hearts directed in the right direction. And the saint that comes to mind for me with sacred things is Saint Boniface. If you don't know the story of Saint Boniface, he is basically the missionary to Germany. So before Germany became Christian, it was very pagan, obviously. And they held a tree as sacred to the God that they worship. And so the gall of St. Boniface is that during one of their major feasts of their pagan gods, he walked right into the middle of their feast as they were dancing and singing around this tree and pulled out an axe and chopped it down right in front of them. And then he taught them what they should properly reverence and taught them about Jesus Christ who converted the German people. Second one, wisdom. Why wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see things 
as God sees them. We need wisdom, first in part for ourselves, the wisdom to be able to see God in the life that we live. Because living in a growingly secular culture, it's not easy and instinctive to see how God is present. We have to grow in that ability to see how God is at work in our life and in the lives of the people that we know. But maybe more importantly, we need the wisdom to be able to communicate the gospel to others. See, one of our things that we don't do well is to share the good news. Why? Because we rely too much on the old language of the church that doesn't have any meaning or significance for people anymore. Right? If you go out to somebody and says, do you know that Jesus Christ suffered and died for the salvation of your soul to set you free from sin and death? They'll go, okay, so what? What's sin? And we're all going to die anyway because that's just what happens. That message has no value to most people. The gospel has value. The gospel will always have value. But how do we communicate it in a way that has meaning to the people who need to hear it? We need the wisdom to be able to see things as God sees them so we can know how to speak to the person that is standing in front of us. Because it is going to be different for every person that comes our way. We can't just think that there's one way to talk about God, and if people don't get it, well, then that's their fault. No, it is our role as Christians to come to understand and have the wisdom to speak that in a way that has meaning for them. How do we ask for that gift? The saint that comes to mind for me for that is St. John Paul II. Right? That Poland being under communist regime after the Second World War and increasingly sticking its claws into Polish culture, eventually St. John Paul II being bishop at the time, spoke into the lives of the people of their human dignity because the communist regime was stripping them of their dignity, making them just an amorphous blob of people serving the nation. And St. John Paul II spoke into their lives of their dignity as Christians, as sons and daughters of God. And he gave them the courage and the strength through his words to stand up to communism and it fell within a few decades of it taking control because he had the wisdom of how to speak the gospel into the life that they were living. And the third one, courage. Specifically, courage to live an authentic Christian life. Because the reality is, is that the gospel is most convincing by a life lived as a disciple of Christ. You might have the most eloquent words to preach the gospel, but if your life doesn't reflect those words that you speak, how quick are people that are not Christians to point out that, man, Christians are hypocrites? It is a life lived well as a disciple of Jesus that spreads the gospel. But we need courage to do that. It is not easy. Which parts of your life do you lack the courage to be authentically Christian? One of them to think about is our money. As Christians, how should we be using our money? 
I don't have a right to my money. I've worked for it. I don't have a right to it. How much money should a Christian spend on their own life and their own family? How much is enough for me as a Christian? And then where is the excess that I can freely give to where the needs are for those who don't have enough? When somebody would look at my life, if I gave somebody the ability to look at my finances, would they immediately go, what are you doing? Or would my finances look the same as anybody else? Where I give a portion to charity because then I can claim it on my income tax and then I look after myself and my own. Our money should be a place where we have the courage to trust in God's providence that this is enough and the rest I don't need. I'm not saying that there's a line anywhere there, but it's something that we should think about. Another one is our words. In the way that we speak, does that have a distinctive Christian flavor? Do our words exude charity? Especially in places and in conversations where charity doesn't often manifest itself. And the one I'll throw to you because of tomorrow is politics. When we speak of politics as Christians, can we speak with charity in a place where it's kind of hard to find charity? Where do we lack the courage to be authentically Christian? The saint that comes to mind for me for that one is St. Maximilian Kolbe. If you don't know his story, St. Maximilian Kolbe was a Franciscan priest during the Second World War, and he was in a concentration camp. And there were a bunch of them lined up in the concentration camp, and they selected this man, a father of two or three children, to be executed. And so he pleaded with the guards to spare his life because he had children that he wanted to be reunited with. And so St. Maximilian stepped forward and said, would you take my life instead of his? Through some mercy of God, they did. And that man outlived the war and was reunited with his children because of the courage of St. Maximilian. To me, these are the three gifts of the Holy Spirit that we are in most need in the church today for the sake of spreading the good news. Proper piety of living devoted to what is most sacred in our life. Of wisdom to be able to speak that gospel, that good news to people in our lives in a way that's meaningful for them. And the courage to live an authentic Christian life in every nook and cranny of our life. And to pray for that. Ask the Holy Spirit for an increase in the gift that you feel that you need most. Pick one of those three and ask for an increase of that gift from the Holy Spirit in that part of your life. Because the Holy Spirit is active. One of the kind of tongue-in-cheek jokes that we say in the life of the church is that if the church were up to us, especially as priests, she would have died a long time ago. The fact that we are still here is proof of the Holy Spirit. He is living and active in the life of the church. Maybe not as perceptible as tongues of fire, but he is alive and well. You are all witnesses to that. So ask for the increase of the gift that you need most and trust that he will grant it to you in your time of need.